And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. The midterms are tomorrow. Uh, I was joined by my brother, Ian Hayworth. Uh, We broke down everything you need to know uh, going into the midterms. We gave all of our predictions. Feel free to point and laugh at both of us for all the stuff that I'm sure we will be proven wrong on in the the next 48 hours or so. Uh, But it was a great show. I think you guys will enjoy it. before I get to Ian, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you're an Apple user, please take a few seconds to see a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to support us, you can over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, how you been, man? Good morning, Brady. Uh, I'm counting down the the seconds until our <laughs> inevitable doom when John Fetterman enters the U.S. Senate. <laughs> how, how are you doing? Yeah, man. Uh, midterms are tomorrow. It's go time. Um, John Fetterman. If, if that man wins, <laughs> I quit. Like, that's it. Like, I just, I, I, I won't quit. I'm not going to leave you guys hanging, but... Before we get started, do you agree that if John Fetterman is the next United States senator from Pennsylvania, that the republic's over? Yeah, I think that's a very telling, at least Pennsylvania's over. I mean, the yeah. fact that someone can get on a debate stage and not speak English for an hour. He couldn't even form basic sentences, could barely read. And people still think we should give him any any control. I mean, he shouldn't be running the returns counter at a store, let alone anything in the Senate. If people vote for him despite all that, it's uh, very telling where we are as a country. Yeah. Yep. Not great. We'll get to Pennsylvania <laughs> later. <laughs> not um, great. Not not great. But uh, yeah, we're we're gonna get in some predictions here. And yeah, guys back home, if you haven't voted yet, get there on get out and vote Republican. Even if your candidates suck, my candidates suck <laughs> here in Ohio. But vote red. You know, hold your nose and vote. I quite literally cannot afford two more years of United Democrat rule. Um, you know, the uh, the old bank account's looking a little. A little dry. I've got my first kid on the way here. I, I personally can't afford it, so help your boy out. Vote in some Republicans. But uh, how are we feeling, man? How are we feeling today? Optimistic? Cautiously optimistic? We're going to go one by one through these races, but uh, you know, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, overall, I'm, I'm, I feel confident about the House. I think we're obviously going to take that back. I think something very wrong would have to happen there. Uh, I'm excited about a couple of governor's races, but I'm not letting myself get overexcited because you never know how those are going to go. The Senate is kind of where I'm I'm a little worried, um, just simply because some of the candidates we've put forward are dog shit. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we will sneak through um, in every race that really matters, or simply enough of them. But honestly, after 2020, where I was feeling so good when we all went to bed and then woke so up and so they suddenly found just enough votes to to swing things the other way. So I'm. I'm not feeling too good. I keep having sort of flashbacks of 2020 and just pumping the brakes a little bit on feeling confident. Yeah. Yep. And on the flip side, I mean, 
maybe it is a wave year. Maybe, you know, Lee Zeldin wins in New York and, mm-hmm. you know, we pick up 45 seats instead of 30 in the house. And it's, you know, we're winning these races by large enough margins that, you know, they can't go to recounts and stuff like that. And, you know, or not, or it's, it's 2020 all over again. We wake up and they just found truckloads of votes in Pennsylvania and, and, and now a brain dead man is a senator. You know? <laughs> um, but let's start in Georgia. Uh, all right. We're going to go through all these close Senate races. Uh, Herschel Walker versus the communist false teacher, um, Raphael Warnock. Uh, the real clear politics average has Walker up uh, half a point uh, with neither candidate going to 50 percent, meaning there'll be a runoff election on December 6th. And in that case, without the libertarian in the race who's polling at, you know, two, three percent, I think Walker wins. Um, that's what RCP is predicting. That's what I'm predicting. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I just always get a little bit worried with runoffs uh, simply because what happened last time with Trump coming out and telling the entire state of Georgia not to vote because it's a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, If he can keep his mouth shut and people go to the polls as they should, I think Walker will win, which is somewhat hilarious that we're electing a brain, (laughs) a half brain dead split personality ex running back as as our senator. But compared to Raphael Warnock, he's the shining beacon of ideological truth so i think i think you're right i i just worry about the runoff that always always gets me a bit nervous when we enter runoff territory when a lot of places in the country can pour an awful lot of money into things and trump can persuade a lot of people not to vote if he opens his mouth yeah yeah and i mean because walker is uh you know a a bad candidate with a history of concussions giving him four more weeks to screw something up um (laughs) Yeah. Get at least another abortion in there if he tries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> think of all the children we can discover that uh, he's fathered between <laughs> now and then. But um, I just think I, I think he's going to pull it out. I think he just his policies fit the state of Georgia so much mm-hmm. better than than Warnock. I mean, Warnock would be radical for a California senator. I mean, he truly is a, a hard leftist um, after COVID, after everything. I, I just think. I think Walker's going to pull it out. Um, We're going to skip Ohio, Wisconsin, and North Carolina. Democrats thought those races were going to be close, but Republicans have really pulled away in the last few weeks. We're going to hold all three of those seats. Um, It would take an absolute disaster for for a Republican to lose any of those those seats. It looks like J.D. Vance here in Ohio is going to win by 10 points, probably, 8 to 10. Um, So I'm not concerned with those. Um, Let's talk Arizona. Blake Masters versus Mm -hmm. Mark Kelly. Um, Real Clear Politics has Kelly up uh, one point on average. There's been two polls released in the last three days that show a statistical tie. There's also been two polls in the last three days that show Kelly up one point. Um, I think Masters pulls this one out by the skin of his teeth. I think Carrie Lake is running a very strong campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, She's going to win by three or four points, I believe, and I think she drags Masters over the finish line here. Yeah, I agree. I think quite often people look at these races in too much of an isolated way. But I think um, the gubernatorial race is so impactful in Arizona. It's really a race that a lot of people are suddenly talk about because of her. And so I think that's hugely impactful. I also think suddenly people are starting to talk about the issues that actually matter. So starting to talk about illegal immigration in some of these states really, really matters. And so I'm hopeful about Arizona. I could see it. I could see Mark Kelly uh, winning, but I'm I'm hopeful at least. It's one of those that I think has certainly come out of the shadows of the last couple of weeks and really, really has some opportunity for the Republicans. It's just whether or not we can keep the momentum for another day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, something like the southern border, obviously, 
the the press and uh, you know everybody can bury that as an issue and just not cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that just doesn't fly in Arizona. I mean, th- this is an issue that people are dealing with on a daily basis, especially you live in the southern half of the state. Um, so you just you can't get around that as a focal issue, and and obviously it's going to hurt Mark Kelly. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have a good feeling about Masters. He's a talented guy. He's uh, very articulate. He's he's great in a stump speech. I just, and, and Kelly, I know he's got a ton of money. And that, that's that's the that's the only negative here is that Kelly mm-hmm. has, uh, he's probably the best fundraiser the Democrats have outside of Obama. Um, but yeah, I, I think Masters gets it done. I, I really do think he gets it done. In Nevada, uh, Laxalt versus course has Masto. Um, RCP has Laxalt up two points on on uh on average i think he wins he's run a great campaign uh 538 and cook political report and and some of these others still have the democrat up mm-hmm. uh, but i do think laxalt flips this seat nevada's a left-leaning state but they do love capitalism so the fact that we're looking at double digit inflation is going to kill the democrats here in vegas yeah ultimately that's what it comes down to in vegas isn't it just people like making money it's a state that effectively relies on people going to Runs las vegas ex- expendable income yes yeah, and, and when your money doesn't go as far and people are struggling to buy food, people don't have money for a weekend in Vegas. And so I think inflation is one of those things that I think in a lot of states, honestly, a lot of states, the issues that Democrats are obsessed with talking about, like abortion, for example, is just not an important issue. Because as you've said multiple times, if you can't afford stuff, you don't really care about these other issues. And I think that's ultimately more true in Nevada than really anywhere else, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I just think... I, you know, if, if you live in Nevada, abortion is not going to be your top issue. Mm-hmm. Um, quote unquote, protecting democracy, whatever that means, is not going to be your top issue. It's going to be economics. The Democrats have taken a howitzer to the U.S. economy. There's just no way. There's no way. There's no way we lose that one. Um, New Hampshire, uh, Don Bolduck versus Maggie Hassan. The Real Clear Politics Average has Hassan, the Democrat, up one point. Um, Bolduck has, has been gaining ground. He was down double digits uh, as recently as, as September. Um, and, and Chris Sununu, the Republican governor, is going to win re-election by 20 points or something. Um, he's kind of a, a moderate Republican, but um, you know he's, he's beloved there, so maybe he can help. But my gut tells me the Democrat hangs on here. Um, Bolduck, he, um, he lied about being assaulted at a rally <laughs> last week. <laughs> Some of the New Hampshire libertarians found the video and blasted him for it. So, I don't know. I think that was a weak move. It was, it was a, a, a lame, a la- real lame move by Don there. And and I hope he wins. I, I hope this man wins. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised, but I think the polls are right and we lose that one narrowly. Yeah, I haven't. I must admit, I haven't been following New Hampshire um, pretty, pretty closely. But lying about being assaulted, it's just how dumb do you have to be? Like in the world of social media, where especially if you're campaigning, everything is televised or recorded in some way. Yeah. The fact that these politicians still think they can get away with these lies. It's not the 60s anymore where you can just make up a story and there's no way of proving it to be false. Most of these things can be debunked within an hour. And the fact they're still lying is really demonstrative of where we are in terms of our politicians generally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if it is a wave year, obviously Sununu is going to have some pull there. Um just the red wave could 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 you know be the difference there, but I don't know. I I, I don't see us running the table. So mm-hmm. um, if, if we're gonna lose one, I, I guess it's gonna be New Hampshire. Uh, let's talk about Pennsylvania. Doctor Oz versus John Fetterman. The 
aforementioned stroke victim who can't speak or understand speech. Uh, he also happens to be a communist who didn't have a real job until he's 49 years old um, and wants to eliminate all American energy production in a state that relies both on fracking and the coal industry. So Oz isn't a great candidate, but he's not John Fetterman. Um, Fetterman, like I said, can't speak English, and Oprah can't save him. So Oz by whatever. Oz is going to win. I'm not even looking. I didn't look up the real clear politics average. Um, I just have to trust that my countrymen aren't that far gone that they would vote for John Fetterman's wife. You know, yeah, really. Yeah. I, I just I just have to believe that the state of Pennsylvania is Pennsylvania is salvageable because if they vote Fetterman, it's just like that's kind of it for that state. I mean, you just can't you can't vote for a brain dead man. There's no there's no justification for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I obviously hope Oz wins, but I think Fetterman's going to win. I think Pennsylvania is one of these places, uh, and that tastes horrible in my mouth even saying it. But I think the the influence in certain states of Democratic Party messaging, uh, specifically Biden messaging, a lot of people could be look at their house burning down with no money in their pocket and be told that the other side are Nazis and keep voting for the guy holding the gasoline. And I think I worry that John Fetterman is just the ultimate example of that. So I'm obviously very hopeful that John Fetterman doesn't win. But that's of all the races, that's the one that worries me most, that people will look at a brain dead man who's just drooling because his brain doesn't work anymore. His wife is just cackling her way to fame on his back. It's the most despicable thing I've seen, far worse than Jill Biden and Joe Biden. Yeah. And uh, I very much worry that people will vote for him still. Uh, That's the one that's keeping me up at night to some extent. You could be right. I I hope not. I hope not. Um, That would really, this election's an IQ test, man. Mm -hmm. I really hope that that our Pennsylvanian friends don't fail the IQ test. I mean, you just cannot, you cannot vote for John Fetterman. You just absolutely can't do it. Um, Oz has had all the momentum. It's not hard when your opponent just had a stroke. But um, it's just absurd. It's so absurd. I, I can't believe like, we're talking what? about this. I can't. I can't imagine we're having this. Like I can't. I'm imagining going back and talking to myself like six years ago when I started this podcast and just explaining what I would be talking about today. <laughs> Trying to convince Pennsylvania not to elect a brain dead zombie. It's like, what what are we doing as a society? <laughs> I just, I can't well, handle the fact, it. The fact that after that debate, like when I, when I watched the debate, it was, I didn't find it funny. I found it just stunning. Like yes. He is so incapable of running. He had the questions written out in front of him and he couldn't even answer them. He was messing up every other word. He was saying that he was in favor of fracking, that he wasn't, that he was opposed to the Supreme Court. Like he's just not capable of running. And the fact that it's still a toss-up, isn't it should be 80, 90 points in favor of us. Yes. I mean, that debate alone should have dropped him from 48% to 18%. Like, it should be a, a fringe, he should be a fringe candidate that has no support from anybody. Mm-hmm. They should have tried to exercise some legal loophole to remove him from the ballot and replace him with somebody else. Like, literally. I mean, it should have been over after that debate. But it's so, not. But it's but it's not, <laughs> but it's not. So I have the GOP at fifty three seats. That's my prediction. Um, I think we lose New Hampshire. We win the rest of them. Uh, if New Hampshire goes our way and we run the table everywhere else, that puts us at fifty four. Which I think the minimum uh, seats that the, the GOP needs is fifty four to stop some of Biden's spending and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, the Democrats' predations. Um, fifty four means you can lose Collins, Murkowski, and Mitt Romney and still 
stop Biden. So um, I would love to get to 54, 53. I think, you know, those three just peel off, vote with Democrats, and we're kind of still screwed. But yeah. um, I, I do believe we get to 53. If Masters goes down, which is, that could really go either way, we're still at 52. I, I, I can't imagine right now the GOP ending up under 52. Um, so I do think we, we flip the Senate, but it's going to be close. Yeah, I think we flip the Senate too, but not not by enough to really do what the Senate needs to be doing for the next two years, which is just lock Biden down and basically force him to stay in the bunker doing nothing. If we have a couple of senators who are, you know, have a red dot by their name, but still vote in a lot of the ways that he wants, it doesn't really achieve what we need out of this. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be more like 52, 53, hoping obviously for more. But um, there's... There's too many Republicans already there who are going to go along with certain things Biden wants. And I don't know why, but that's a, that's a bigger problem than we can solve tomorrow. Yeah, you know Mitt Romney can't wait. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, he can't wait to play spoiler and, and screw everything up. It's just, uh, I don't know. He just, he loves it. Gets him out of bed in the morning for some reason. Um, Tudor Dixon is down 4.2 points in Michigan, and Lee Zeldin is down 6.2 points in New York in the uh, Real Clear Politics averages. Um, some recent polling has been better for both of them. Um, these two Democrat governors are two of the worst politicians in the country, two truly wicked people who have done a lot of damage to their states. They've ruined a lot of lives and businesses. Um, if any two politicians in the country deserve to lose, it might be them. Uh, do you think there's any chance either Republican pulls it off? Uh, I'm not too hopeful about Michigan, uh, simply because I don't think, um, Dixon has enough notoriety i think in new york it's one of those things where it could happen i honestly think there are enough people in new york who are just so demoralized by both covid and just what's happening day to day on the streets in new york city i think there's a lot of just uh it's very cynical to say but just the visuals of people every day being assaulted on the streets i think elicits a sense of fear that a lot of politicians feed off um i think lee zeldon's obviously already pretty well known I think Kathy Hochul has not been able to separate herself from Andrew Cuomo, who is deeply unpopular. So I think New York, if I was going to bet on the surprise, I think New York would be the surprise. Um, I, I'm not as hopeful about Michigan, but who knows? She's she's a horrific governor. Like still after COVID, the fact that she got away with any of that is stunning to me. But um, it's it's hard for me to step away from the cynicism in a lot of these races. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gretchen Whitner killed a lot of people mm -hmm. that would have voted against her. So, yeah. Um, the ultimate plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I had to predict, I'd say we lose both of those. I just, mm -hmm. you know, but anything can happen. If it's a wave year, obviously the crime, you're right, in, in New York City uh, is what's on everybody's mind, similar to the southern border in Arizona. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if the press covers up what's going on <laughs> yep. on the streets of New York City. If you see it, if you see it on the subway, on the on the way home from work every day. Um, it, it's going to be on the forefront of your mind. It's going to be your top issue. Plus, Lee Zeldin's a talented guy. Like, he's a smart guy. He's he's a moderate Republican. He's not this, like, right-wing bomb thrower or anything. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, those deba the debate was a joke. I mean, he just absolutely destroyed Kathy Hochul. Um, Hochul's not very good. She's not very well-spoken. She doesn't seem to understand the issues at all. Um, she's not likable. She just seems like, like a mean like just everybody's just least favorite woman, you know, it's like a, yeah, just ugh, like a mean mother-in-law, you know, just who wants that? So for all of those reasons, I think 
Zeldin may have a chance, but it's just if I were a betting man and I don't bet on these things, but uh, if I did, I just I don't know if I could lay any money down mm-hmm. on a Republican in either one of those states. I also think there's I don't think this is going to be enough to really swing it, but I think the threat of anti-Semitism growing in New York and the fact that Lee Zeldin is is Jewish and speaks out on a lot of these issues, I think quite effectively and quite concisely. Uh, could be a chunk of votes that perhaps other Republicans haven't enjoyed in New York before. And so I think that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, because for a lot of Jews in New York, it is front of mind, whether that be being assaulted in Brooklyn or just the rise of anti-Semitism in the conservative movement generally. I think there's there's opportunity there, too, but I don't think it'll be enough to push anything over the line. It's just interesting to see that play out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you never know, you know, if if races are close enough if it comes down within 50,000 votes or something Mm -hmm. uh, an issue like that could be the deciding factor for sure um yeah i mean and both of them both dixon and zeldin they have had if you look at the polls they have been tightening for over a month now they do have the momentum we'll see we'll see if it's too little too late or not um i think we pick up somewhere around 35 seats in the house and I, i i will admit i have not gone through all of these individual races um, nearly as much as I should if I wanted to make an, a truly educated um, opinion here. But I, I think it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 40, call it 35. That's just based on, you know, the generic uh, congressional ballot polling and just kind of how all these Senate races are going. I think it's it, we pick up at least 30, probably 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also harder just to follow the House just because there's simply so many, <laughs> so many elections. It's right. It's often goes unnoticed, but is is sometimes just as important. Um, I think a lot of this is going to be a bellwether for 2024 as well. I think that's how I usually look at a lot of these elections. I try not to focus on the individual races necessarily, but I think it's going to be indicative on a state level of how people are responding to issues like inflation. When we really we talk about inflation a lot, there's a lot of polling, but this is the first time people are really going to be expressing how they feel about really Biden's regime. And so I think that's going to be the really interesting thing of just how much some of these, especially these blue districts change, whether they flip or even if they move 10 points in the other direction. Um, We had indications of that a little bit in 2020, for example, in states like Florida. So I'm going to be interested to see if just that continues, because that's going to be a warning sign for the Democrats. And whether they wake up to that or not is is something we'll have to wait to see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm especially looking at some of these suburban Mm -hmm. uh, districts that had been Republican traditionally, but flipped, um, you know, these it's like the suburban woman vote that just really didn't like Trump because they just they don't like the meanness, the tweets, the January 6th and all. Then they, you know, women are more susceptible to to corporate media propaganda than men. Typically, men are a little bit more, um, you know, they they just don't they want to be more contrarian. Than mm-hmm. women on average, I'd say I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, some of these Orange County districts, you know, that have been Republican for 30 years or whatever, then flipped blue last time um, because they Trump was so unpopular there. I'd love to see. It will be interesting, and I think it will be telling for 2024 if they flip right back, right, with mm-hmm. Trump off the ballot. If they are Republican districts, they are more right leaning, but they it was just a a bad year for Republicans in 2020. Or if you know maybe you know, some of those seats, especially like, you know, those California seats, some of those New York seats were kind of fool's gold for Republicans and they were always going to turn Democrat eventually. I I don't know. Well, I think we'll learn a lot though. Yes. Yeah. And I think 
it's funny because the entire democratic apparatus is based on running against Trump. And the fact is, Trump is not on the ballot. And I don't think he's been particularly effective at inserting himself into the narrative on on the conservative side. And so really is the first time in a Trump free world in a lot of ways that we're going to see how people are feeling. Um, it's fascinating stuff. Let's talk about Donald Trump because <laughs> he's trying to make himself a part of the news again. Apparently, he, uh, you know, sources say he's going to announce uh, he's running for president again on the 14th of this month. Uh, so I guess that's a week from today. I mean, it's good that he didn't announce before the midterms. You don't want to throw a giant, you know, wrench in the gears right before people go out to vote, um, one way or the other. It's just that it wouldn't have helped anybody. So I, I appreciate that he didn't do that. Um, but yesterday, Donald Trump had a rally, and for absolutely no reason, he decided to attack Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, two days before DeSantis is up for re-election. Um, I'm not worried about that race. Obviously, he's going to win by 15 points. He's extremely popular. Uh, he's going to win the Hispanic vote outright in Florida, which has never happened uh, for a Republican anywhere. Um, he's been the best governor in the country <laughs> these last four years. Uh, he's probably the best candidate Republicans have had in a generation. Um, and to me... Correct me if I'm wrong. That's why Trump is attacking him, because Trump is behaving like a child who doesn't want to share the spotlight with anyone. DeSantis is obviously very popular with Republicans. I thought this was absolutely pathetic, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a metaphor for Trump. This instance is just a metaphor for Trump. He doesn't care about the conservative movement. He doesn't care about the midterms. It's just all about himself. And that's what it's been since the start. And I think that when his goals for himself aligned with what the country needed, I think that was great. But ever since 2020 and, and I'd say 2019 onwards, everything has been done in a way to sort of further his own notoriety or further his own goals. And the fact that he would do anything, even if it was to make an unpleasant comment in private, when you are a public figure like Donald Trump, you need to be everyone needs to be pulling in the same direction and to make any negative comments about any Republican, let alone your biggest adversary and likely the person who would be his biggest rival come the primary season for 2024 just indicates that he just isn't he isn't a team player in any way like you have just been saying that people should vote for republicans that you don't you don't agree with and you don't think are good candidates because it's about the movement it's about really the binary system stopping democrats and the fact that he would try to do to florida what he he did effectively to georgia in 2020 he just doesn't learn yeah I mean, there's no reason for this. I mean, Ron DeSantis has been extremely friendly to Trump. Like, I, I don't think they've ever had any disagreements at all. It's not like DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis has supported Trump throughout all of this, you know, throughout 2020 and, and beyond. Like, it, he's never said an unkind word about Trump ever, to the best of my knowledge. So, I mean, this is just completely unprovoked. Obviously, Trump feels threatened by DeSantis, but you're a, you're like 78 years old, man. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what are we doing? 77, something like that. It's like, this is how children behave. Yep. My goodness. Well, also My just goodness. ignoring how how effective and how popular Ron DeSantis is. It's one thing to make the jokes I didn't like, but like against Marco Rubio, you know, or Ted Cruz. That These weren't particularly popular characters, and they weren't really characters who had done anything before or since. You know, they're, they're just politicians who like to talk about things. Ron DeSantis has quite literally done a huge amount, far more than Trump. In terms of, let's just talk about COVID in terms of how effective they were. DeSantis was so effective as governor of Florida during COVID. Everyone should have died in that state, and they didn't, and in large part because of his leadership. And the fact that Trump 
goes after DeSantis of all people. Doesn't make doesn't make any sense at all. And it's completely blind as how popular he is. And in a lot of ways, DeSantis is more popular than Trump. And I don't think he can handle that very well. Yeah. And I mean, I'll preface this with, you know, like I always do, if Trump is the nominee in 2024, I'll vote for him. Mm-hmm. I literally voted for him twice. I endorsed him on this show. Okay. <laughs> I've literally, for, and I'm saying this for all the people that want to leave me mean comments on Twitter and mean messages. I have changed more votes from other people to Trump than you have. Okay. <laughs> I've convinced lots of people to vote for Donald Trump. Trust me, I've done more to help Trump than you in the comment section could ever dream of. So maybe cut me a little slack. All that to say this, I hope DeSantis runs against him in the primary and beats him. Mm -hmm. And that probably wouldn't work now, but 2024 is a long way away. I mean, the campaigning, I know Trump's going to announce probably next week, but I mean, the, the real campaigning doesn't start for another year. All right, a little over a year. That's a long way to come. I mean, DeSantis is about to win re-election in Florida by 15 points. He'd obviously beat Trump in a, in a primary in Florida. The polls show him up in a, a hypothetical uh, primary in New Hampshire over Trump. I mean, he can flip a few more of these states and actually make it competitive. And I just—a lot of people, including Trump fans, are like, yeah, we love DeSantis, but if he runs against Trump, Trump will just destroy him the way he did with Rubio and Cruz and end his career. No, they— Cruz and Rubio tried to out comedy routine Donald Trump, yeah. and that's not going to work because Trump's hilarious. Like he is a hilarious comedian. Like he has, he's great at branding. He's great with the little nicknames. Like he's really good at that. And if you're just some like stock Marco Rubio politician, you're going to look like a clown <laughs> trying to out Trump. Trump. I think DeSantis is smart enough just to not take the bait. It's like if Trump insults him, just say nothing. Just pretend he just ignore it. Pretend it never happened, mm-hmm. and just keep talking about the issues. I think I. I agree with Jesse Kelly that primaries are important. More people should run for president, not less. I think if any of these guys, if you if you think you're the alpha male in the room, you think you can lead, get in. Whether you're Yunkin, whether you're DeSantis, whether you're Christy Nome, whether you're Ted Cruz, like if you want, Mike Pence has basically been running for president for a year already. I mean, he won't scratch three percent in the primary. But if he thinks if he thinks that he's the alpha dog, prove it. Put your nuts on the table and let's see what happens. You know. So I hope. People aren't afraid of Trump and, and don't get in because you think that benefit, even if Trump beats DeSantis and beats these guys, he'll be a better candidate after having to go through a tough primary because iron sharpens iron. OK, you're supposed to hash this out. You're supposed to disagree, hopefully respectfully. But like just, you know, coddling him and getting out because you're afraid that's going to damage Trump, too. I mean, you don't want to be the boxer heading into a title fight who hadn't sparred at all, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, how would that be benefiting Trump? Like, we need robust primaries. The problem, I think, is I don't think we have robust primaries with Trump involved because Trump will either win, in which case, I, as you will, I will support him as a as the nominee. But if he, what if Trump doesn't win the primary? Do you think he's going to sit back as the election comes and rally in favor of DeSantis, the person who beat him? I think that's something people need to think about. Trump is not a team player. And all of these people in the primaries, it doesn't matter whether they despise the person that beat them. They all rally in favor of them because that's the game. Trump will not do that. And I I also do not think Trump has done anything since losing the election in 2020 to prove to me as to why he should be the nominee. Nothing has changed. He's complaining about the same stuff. He's whining about the same stuff. 
he's surrounding himself by the same morons that he <laughs> that lost him the election in the first place and convinced a lot of the country that it was done nefariously and he's spending a lot of money people are giving him when times are very hard on his own legal fights. Trump does not care about the conservative movement. Trump cares about Trump. And I think that needs to change before I think people he deserves people's votes, frankly, and I don't see that changing. Um, I also don't see DeSantis backing down from him. I think that would be a massive mistake. This is DeSantis's moment. If he waits four years, I think that moment will pass. It's um, it, it, it would be a huge mistake, I think, to, to let this go. It's going to be a hard fight, but I think it's a fight that needs to happen. Um, otherwise, I don't think I don't think we'll win in 2024, frankly. Yeah. Yep. I think Trump was the only man who could beat Hillary Clinton in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the only man who could lose to Joe Biden in 2024. Yes, agree. It's the political version of the Harvey Dent. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like politicians just have moments. And I do believe this is Ron DeSantis's moment in 2024. Um, and I use this as an example all the time. So you've probably heard me say this before, but in, in 2016, if Elizabeth Warren would have ran for president as a Democrat, she would have beat Hillary Clinton, beat Bernie Sanders, and beat Donald Trump in the general. Because she was very popular with the Democrat base at that time. She hadn't been exposed as an idiot for lying about being an Indian and all this ridiculous stuff. <laughs> she hadn't bought into any of like the woke, crazy, college journalist leftist stuff yet. She was actually a very appealing candidate to Democrats. And Hillary Clinton didn't want her to run, obviously. And she said, okay, fine. She appeased Hillary Clinton. And then now she's a clown, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying DeSant- DeSantis is not a moron like Liz Warren. But but he won't be as popular in four years as he is now. Like th- You have to strike where the iron's hot. He yep. needs to run. Hopefully he can get through Trump. You know, you never know. And Trump's going to be 80. He's going to be 79 or 80 in, in 2024. Enough. Yeah. We don't need 80-year-olds, man. We don't need 80-year-olds. And and to piggyback on what you just said, you know, like, like I said, I'm not this anti-Trump guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like my friends, both in real life and, you know, just in the political commentary world, I, I have these debates with a, a lot of friends who are just, like, super pro-Trump. They want Trump to run again and win. They'll vote for him in a primary. I'm like, he— what has he done to prove that the second time around would be better? He, Like you said, he's still surrounded by the same idiots that lost him 2020. You know, everybody's like, well, he's learned his lesson. He's learned his, he learned his lesson with, with Scaramucci, and he's learned his lesson with Jenna Ellis, and she, he's learned with Fauci and all these people. No, he hasn't. He's still surrounded by these idiots. If you look at COVID, he's still, you know, touting all the the vaccine spending and and all this stuff. He, why do you? Th- I mean, he handed the entire authority of the United States federal government to Anthony Anthony Fauci at the same time that Ron DeSantis immediately reopened Florida's economy on COVID. It's a it's a knockout. It's a first round knockout. Which one's better on COVID? Right. Better on guns. Ron DeSantis has been voted in favor of gun rights every single way every single day in office, and Donald Trump unilaterally banned bump stocks. If you own a bump stock, which should be completely legal, you get 10 years in a federal penitentiary because of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump didn't even get that through Congress. He just broke the law. He violated his oath of office and did that unilaterally from the Oval Office. Okay, what, what, what has he proven that he understands firearms now? Has he, under, has he proven he understands the Second Amendment? No. He hasn't changed at all. So it's like he needs to prove to me that he's changed on all of these things, and he has not at all. 
think the biggest issue I think with a lot of people is that Trump was a fantastic candidate in 2016. I, I think like historical level, fantastic candidate. Yes. Is that he was the perfect candidate for that moment. He was the wild card that no one saw coming who completely flipped the game. But a lot, a lot of his appeal is that he, he mirrored what a lot of people see in normal people and themselves to some extent. You know, he said the stuff that flashes into our head sometimes that we wish we could say. Right. Um, not all the time, of course, but a lot of the time. Right. But the the downside of that is that then people project what they want to see onto him. Is that he's he's like this infallible man of he's changed. Why? Oh, because I, I think he has. Because, because I want you, him to change. Yes, yeah. people want him to have changed. They want him to have learned. They want him to have been better. He's not. He's not going to change. He's an old man. Old men don't change. He's an old billionaire. <laughs> I mean, like everything he's done in his life has worked out. Why would you change anything? I mean, he's a 78-year-old billionaire. He has $6 billion. Like, you can't convince a billionaire to change, and you can't convince an old man to change, and you certainly can't convince an old billionaire to change. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, that's a fool's errand. You know, it, it is incredible, man. It's incredible. He, he hasn't changed a darn thing. I don't know why people are so convinced that he has. But it's interesting. I, I just hope, I hope DeSantis runs. I hope he wins. Because you're not going to get it. Like, if, if he runs in 2028 and he waits, there's just no guarantees, man. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantees that that work. Yes, it worked for Reagan. Okay, that was that was in the 70s, man. That was a long time ago. I just don't... I don't know. You just have to... You have to profit on momentum. And there's no guarantee of momentum. Like, COVID... COVID was obviously horrendous. But in terms of a platform for DeSantis, there's nothing better of just standing on a state that most people look down their nose at that was going to be the graveyard of the United States. And it had one of the most successful COVID policies there there was in the country. And to have handled multiple things like the handling the hurricane as they did, the fact that it wasn't in the news two days later. And all these things, every time someone expects DeSantis to fail, it's handled almost flawlessly. He's obviously a politician. I'm not going to you know, kiss his ass too much. But this is his moment. If he fails to do that, there's no guarantee that any of that momentum will survive. There'll be the next thing there could easily be a war, for example, that completely flips how people look at things. Inflation could make things so so terrible that an entire different range of um, economic positions comes out. The world will be different in 2025, 2026, and 2027. You cannot just assume that the momentum you got in 2020 will carry you through to that point. It just won't happen. Yeah. And what's more important than COVID policy? Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump's COVID policies costed lives. How many people committed suicide? How many drug overdoses were there because Trump failed to fire Anthony Fauci? Is that thousands of deaths, tens of thousands, more? I mean, how many lives were saved because Ron DeSantis opened up Florida's economy right away? It was only closed down for, what, 10 days, something like that? I mean, how many lives were spared? We're talking about life and death. Like, yep. this is not, I mean, this isn't, and then also, you know, on, on the spending, I mean, Trump, there was, what, four or five trillion dollars in additional debt added under the Trump presidency. And I don't know if you've noticed, we're in an inf- inflationary recession. I mean, like, this isn't fun and games anymore where it's like, you know, Republicans campaign on, on reducing the national debt, balancing budgets and never actually do it. Well, if they don't do it, we're not going to have a country. Yeah, because we are circling the drain. I mean, we're almost 32 trillion in debt. We are the real inflation is well north of 10 percent. Interest rates are going into the teens here soon. 
this isn't fun and games. Like we need an actual fiscal conservative, somebody who understands Austrian economics. Um, you know, is DeSantis as good as say a Ron Paul on economics? No, but he's a heck of a lot better than Donald Trump, who didn't really show any interest in balancing budgets or reducing debts. I mean, his budgets were bigger than Barack Obama's budgets. Okay, like it, it, you, and I know people just ignore that. People don't understand it. It's not first and foremost on people's minds, but I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it needs to be because we're, we're out of time here. We can't kick the can down the road. The Fed can't artificially suppress interest rates anymore. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work. Like we're, we're only a handful of years away from defaulting on our loan payments. Okay. What happens to the U S dollar when that happens? Okay. So it's not, it, it, there's no, we need a fiscal conservative. We need balanced budgets and to reduce this debt, or we're looking at, decades-long depressions. We're looking at a complete devaluation of the U.S. dollar. We're looking at the end of the United States as a a global power, essentially. So, I mean, this isn't—we're really up against it here a lot more than anybody's willing to admit, and Trump completely failed. Mm -hmm. He did cut taxes. I appreciate that. I had a little bit more money in my pocket after the Trump tax cuts, but they didn't go nearly far enough, and he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing to reduce spending. Well, I think on the on the taxes front, like I paid a bit more tax during that during that time. All right, you're but in California, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you're increasing spending. It's one of these things that yeah, that that gives Democrats the false talking point of um, basically, oh, we're we're giving tax breaks and we're not paying for it. They always frame it in that way of it's taking money away from people, which of course it's not, but it has to be uh, partnered with cutting spending. You cannot just um, decrease the amount the government is taking in and expect to keep spending the same amount. But also just to, to move away from almost the high level economic thing, I, I think the best way of seeing the difference between DeSantis and Trump is almost on a very low level, simple, uh, simple framework. During campaigning, DeSantis had um, basically some money left over through, from uh, campaigning funds, and he's been giving it to some other Republicans running across the country. Donald Trump has been running on 2020 being stolen from him. People are giving their hard-earned money to him, and he's spending it on his own legal battles. Yeah. That says everything you need to know about these two men. And like you can you can set all of the very, very complicated stuff aside, a lot of the very simple stuff aside. Trump cares about himself. DeSantis cares about himself, but also the Republican movement. And it's it's even worse than that, because Trump endorsed and campaigned for a lot of these candidates in the primaries and got his people uh, through the primaries. You know, J.D. Vance doesn't win that primary in Ohio um, without Donald Trump stumping for him. Dr. Oz just not win in Pennsylvania without Donald Trump. Herschel Walker's famous enough in, in Georgia. He would have won regardless. Um, but Blake Masters was in a, in a very tough uh, primary. I don't think he wins without Trump. And then Trump proceeds to not give a single dollar mm-hmm. to any of these candidates. And then talk shit about them. Didn't he say that J.D. Vance was kissing his ass? Yeah. Why? It was his guy. And, and the other candidates in that race would have would have won by an even larger margin. Uh, if if either of the other Republicans in Pennsylvania had won over Dr. Oz, Fetterman would be toast. He'd be down eight points. You know, just Oz sucks on the campaign trail. Like, he's not a, a, a strong campaigner. He's not a strong candidate. So it's like Trump helps get his hand-selected candidates through and does nothing to support him. I mean, Mitch, I, I, can't stand, I can't stand Mitch McConnell. Give me Trump over Mitch McConnell any day of the week. Mitch McConnell sent J.D. Vance $20 million and bailed out his campaign when he was absolutely broke. Even though, and, and Donald Trump did nothing. 
I mean, J.D. Vance is on the campaign trail bashing Mitch McConnell and praising Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell gives him $20 million anyway, and Trump gives him nothing. Yeah, it's like it's wild. It's like Trump, it, at this point, he's outlived his effectiveness, his usefulness. Just everything is about him. He wants candidates who will kiss his ass because he likes people kissing his ass, but he will not get off the chair for them. And he'll keep doing it. He'll keep doing it as president. He'll keep throwing people under the bus. It's I don't think he'll win again. Honestly, there's there's no world I can see in which Donald Trump wins in 2024. There's just no way because people need to realize how much uh, the Democrats hate Donald Trump. They hate him. And they'll, that's they'll the em- most they'll, they'll empty effective their bank thing accounts, driving you to a sorry, the most effective thing driving to election. Yeah. I mean, they'll empty their bank accounts, too. Yep. I mean, there's no greater fundraiser for the Democrats than Trump. I mean, we'll be looking at if Trump is the nominee in 2020, no matter what the Republicans come come up with, we're going to be looking at like a two to one money deficit to the Democrats. It's, they're going to raise just ungodly amounts <sighs> of cash. But hey, midterms are first. <laughs> that is tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody, please go out and vote. We need the red wave. My bank account needs the red wave. Stop the bleeding. Stop the madness. I think we get to fifty-three in the Senate. Um, we can we can do it. I don't know, man. And and I am I am, I am cautiously optimistic that tomorrow is going to be even better than what we laid out. I mm-hmm. mean, I could see maybe New York flipping. Maybe we can get to 54 Senate seats, 40-plus House seat pickups. Like, it could be a, a real tsunami-type year or not. So go out and vote, everybody. Ian, where can everybody follow you? Uh, read your Substack, check out your show, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on all social media, I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. Uh, you can also find links to my YouTube show because Off Limits with Ian Howarth. You can find it there or search for it on YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the midterms this week. So, yeah, check that out. And thanks as always for having me, Brady. Absolutely. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.